0: Hey there and welcome back to my podcast The Fast Break, where I break down the relationship between sports, politics, and the media and just how these relationships has changed over history. My name's Drew Pickard and let's break it down. On this week's episode, we're going to break down Black Lives Matter and how we, and how we have seen it slowly be integrated into sports and also in the media that broadcasts them. So like I do with all these podcasts, I'm first going to start off with with some history and some context about the topic. So so now, looking at Black Lives Matter and how it came to be this this powerful movement we know today, um, we first have to go back to the summer of two thousand thirteen, and, and this was the year that George Zimmerman was uh, was acquitted after fatally shooting seventeen-year-old uh, Trayvon Martin uh, in Florida, and you know seventeen months prior to that uh, acquittal, uh, in February of two thousand twelve, uh, this is just the how um, you know the the what happened in that event and. Um, you know, Trayvon Martin, he was walking back home, uh, from a convenience store, uh, where he purchased an iced tea and some Skittles. Um, you know, that's all he had on, on, on his person. Uh, you know, besides a couple, uh, uh a, a couple loose dollars here. And, uh, you know, George Zimmerman, uh, he was a part of the, uh, community watch in which, uh, Trayvon was, uh, walking through and, um, he noticed Trayvon and it was raining out and he had a hood on. So, uh, you know, for, for that reason, I guess, um, yeah uh, he thought it was a uh, he was a bit suspicious walking around and uh, you know he called in a suspicious person to the to the local law enforcement and um you know although being told to to hold his position and 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 not confront uh the teenager uh Zimmerman uh you know he would he would disobey uh those orders and and proceed to approach him and uh, moments later Zimmerman would he would shoot Tr- uh Trayvon Martin uh, in the chest uh leaving him leaving him dead at the scene and uh in court um, you know Zimmerman stated that his actions were were in self defense and protected by Florida's standard ground laws and uh, if you aren't familiar with with standard ground laws uh, um, you know this law is a is a it, it's a law that says if a person is attacking you uh, or or you feel threatened um, in a place where you shouldn't um, that means you know in the public uh, on your own property uh, wherever really and it says that you have the right to stand your ground um you know and and meet force with force including deadly force if if he or she uh is and if if he or she thinks it's necessary to do so uh to prevent death or or bodily harm uh to oneself and that's uh that's how the state of florida um uh describes uh, standard grounds laws. So, you know, now, what exactly does that law mean? You know, to me, uh, it's a it's pretty vague. And, and while some people may respond to that by saying, you know, the meaning is right there, the words are right there. Um, you know, I still think uh, it's not as uh, as specific, uh, you know, as as it as it needs to be as something as something as uh, important as you know standing your ground. But how do you prove that someone was really in danger if the only other person there is deceased and and can't share their side of the story? Um, you know this is why I think the law should be revised or or, or even taken away. Um, just because it allows for so much gray area and leniency for the people using it, um, you know, as their reasoning, uh, just like Zimmerman did, and <clears throat> after his acquittal. Uh, many Americans felt betrayed by our justice system, uh, you know, because they because this was just another of the many cases uh, where a black person uh, lies dead uh, by the hands of law enforcement More in this case, uh, you know, a neighborhood, a neighborhood watch um, and, and and with no punishments uh, given, um, you know, and it's and it's this kind of frustration and anger that sparks the idea to start a movement, um, you know, as a cry for help. Uh, and and that's exactly why Black Lives Matter was founded and you know the movement itself it wouldn't be nationally known or or recognized until 2014 where another pair of unfortunate events uh, unfolded with with the killing of uh, 18 year old Michael Brown in St. Louis and uh, 43 year old Eric Gardner uh, in the borough of Staten Island of New York City Um, you know and following the following the news of these of these deaths and and with them happening you know just a year or two after uh Trayvon Martin um being shot uh you know the black community felt attacked and and they needed the country uh to know uh to know that and you know so after Michael Brown's death um protests protests similar to the ones we we've seen uh this past summer uh, erupted in cities uh like Baltimore Maryland and uh Ferguson Missouri uh the town or the city in which uh Michael Brown um in the city of which Michael Brown lived in, and you know, it was because of these protests that people started to wake up and see what was happening uh, in and around our cities. Uh, and uh, you know, when it comes to police-involved shootings and police brutality as a whole, um, so like as these as these protests and calls for justice continued, uh, more and more Americans uh, became familiar with the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, and began began showing their their support for it. And, um, you know, if you if you remember from last episode, uh, you know, this was also uh, around the same time that Kaepernick decided uh, to kneel. And, you know, I t- I know I touched up on it on uh, uh, in that episode. Uh, but I think that Kaepernick uh, saw this conversation of police brutality uh, begin to fade in our everyday discourse. And, you know, although protests are a great tool in shining light on social problems and and other uh you know systemic problems we have in our country uh the reality is that not many not many people read or 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 look into this kind of news you know with it being so political and all the rest and you know so while While in today's world, uh, with so many people now deeply um, emerged in the conversation uh, during those years, looking at 2014, 15, 16, you know, that conversation wasn't nearly as popular uh, as it is today. And, you know, again, like I mentioned in that last episode, Kaepernick, I think, noticed this trend and uh you know with that decision to kneel uh he brought the protests from the streets uh to the stadiums and 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 showed to a different audience a new audience at that uh you know of what was happening in our country and why this and why it is important that uh you know we have that we have this conversation and you know, after the actions of Kaepernick, um, you know, many, many other notable athletes like the names of LeBron James, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, uh, Sue Bird, Patrick Mahomes, you know, and as as well as as well as many others. And they all followed suit as they began, uh, you know, to use their platform as a place to advocate for black lives and uh, and to shed light on police brutality, um, you know, and um, out of those, out of those names mentioned, uh, I think that LeBron James uh, has made the headlines the most when talking about uh, social change. Uh, you know, both in interviews with the media, uh, as well as as well as uh, on his personal social media pages. And you know, while many think politics uh, has no place in sport, uh, well, you know, they should be informed that well you know politics have always been um, in sport and you know this podcast shows that with all the uh, with all the examples that uh, that I've brought forward and you know it's just it's just that politics and sports have become more mainstream today uh, than in years past but you know just to get back to lebron james and his media presence uh, I just want to look at the interaction he had with uh, fox news show hostess uh, laura laura ingram and uh, for those who may not be familiar, uh, Lauren Ingram, um, she has her own show on on Fox News called the Ingram Angle, and um, it's on from Mondays to Fridays, t- uh, ten p.m. to eleven p.m. And uh, on one of her broadcasts uh, back in two thousand eighteen, uh, following a sit down conversation um, with LeBron James and Kevin Durant, uh, in which they talked about you know the racial divide in America and and the excef- and the excessive force uh, used by police. Um, you know, her response to that interview was simple. I mean, you know, simple to her, I guess. Um, you know, and that and that response was, uh, in quotes, shut up and dribble. And, you know, she would go on um, and attack the player's um, intelligence, or as she put it, uh, lack thereof, um, you know, and say that, Um, you know, it'd be unwise to listen to somebody who bounces a ball for a hundred million dollars a year, uh, for political advice. And, you know, obviously this caused an enormous amount of backlash towards the hostess and, um, and I think justified, um, at that. So, you know, um, to me, and I'm sure many of you guys can agree, um, You know, these comments were not only ignorant, but but racist in nature as well. And, you know, to make the situation even worse for Ingram, uh, just this past year, um, she defended NFL quarterback Drew Brees uh, when he spoke out and uh, commented about players kneeling during the flag and how he didn't support it. And and to that, Ingram responded uh, by saying, you know, he has the right to his own opinion. And... You think uh she would have, have you think she would have remembered what she said about uh you know, a similar case with LeBron, you know, as he was expressing his opinion, uh just like Drew Brees was. So um, you know, these two drastically different these are two drastically different viewpoints and I think it has a, a very racial undertone to it, uh that should not be uh uh looked past and you know, this is also can act as as another example on on how news outlets uh Form a narrative um, when sharing a story, like I mentioned uh, in the in the in the uh, in the Kaepernick uh, podcast. But you know, now I want to kind of switch our focus uh, to the conversation of of Black Lives Matter in twenty twenty, and also today in twenty twenty one. So, you know, the reason why we saw so many leagues and so many teams uh, this past year releasing statements about. Uh, supporting black lives matter and and also just trying to advocate for social change um, you know it was it was in a response to the brutal murder of george floyd that happened you know almost a year ago uh, you know may twenty fifth i'm I'm pretty sure the date is and you know that image of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin driving his knee uh, into the neck of a, of a non-resistant George Floyd. Uh, you know, it was just an image that was shown thousands of times across uh, across news media, as well as social media, uh, too. And, you know, the lack of compassion uh, for life uh, was seen clearly in his facial expressions and also in his demeanor, you know, having his hands on his pocket while while putting putting his knee on another man's neck um you know so it was just it was just a disgusting scene and um you know the amount of anger felt um this time uh reach an all-time high because you know it seemed like these incidents happen far too often with no real change uh being done to help stop them um as this is a uh real problem and you know i think that's where where sports comes into play and and tries to and tries to uh make those changes happen and you know with with the audience size as well as just the size of the platform in, in general um you know professional sport allows the oppressed and and activists to use it staged as a way to to reach the ears of people you know who may not be aware of how serious and how real this problem is um so so now at different venues and stadiums in and around it, uh, you'll start to see Black Lives Matter signs uh, like the ones put up on uh, NBA courts or, or the ones spray painted on the pitcher's mound uh, when talking about the MLB. And, you know, I've also seen uh, special messages um, talking about social change uh, that are shown on the Jumbotron, you know, before and after and sometimes uh, during the games as well. So. You know the sport world has definitely done their part, i think uh in the battle of uh, in the battle against racism and um, and police and police brutality and you know they come they've, they' they cont- can and they continue to do so uh so I think you know you just need to give hats off to the various leagues that that show that they can listen to the public and adapt uh to to their wants and needs, um, especially in a time of crisis like this so um you know but now looking at uh the the responses to black lives matter uh we see the phrase all Lives matter uh all lives matter come into fruition and you know well well while, while that is true both statements are you know um i do think that all lives matter i think that everybody should share that same belief um, you know but the reason why this saying has gotten so much backlash and and so much hate is because by saying all lives matter it, in response to black lives matter it completely brushes over what the what the what the saying uh what the saying means you know behind the word, so you know yes, all lives matter, but right now black lives are the ones being affected the most, and by saying uh all lives matter uh, in response is just basically telling you know the african American community that you know they're not they're not special or 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 they're not in need um of support in which uh, you know, which is completely false in my opinion, but uh you know um and that was you know that was the main main response uh for those uh who oppose black lives matter and um you know i think systemic and and that thing and they they think uh systemic racism uh is is just a myth so you know while there's so many um there well, you know, while there seems like so many people hold this opinion um i think there's so much support on the other side of the argument you know um just with all the big names the blue check mark people showing their showing their support as well as the nfl the nba mlb uh nhl mls and you know even nascar um uh too which is pretty cool just knowing you know who their fan base are and where they come from so you know although we're far away um in achieving that that perfect uh equal society that that we all strive for um you know i think i think we're definitely headed in the right direction and you know although there's there seem to be bumps in the road and um and i'm sure those bumps will continue to come up in the future but you know for now um you know this has been what has been accomplished by um by the help of so many athletes both current and 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 retired and you know all the different leagues um you know just sports in general and um you know also the media as well so i just think that overall we are we're definitely um taking the right steps in achieving equality among all people so with that uh that wraps up episode six and 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 also the series as a whole and um i'd just like to to take the time to thank everybody for listening to me blabber on and and sticking with me um you know if you if if you know if you made it this far so um you know this was a first time experience for me i've never done a podcast but uh you know i think i grew and learned a lot from it so i also want to uh have a special special thank you to dr sarowski and uh, i just want to say that uh, you know i can't thank you enough for all your support uh over this past semester uh You know, I'm so grateful for it and I appreciate all your time you give, uh, you know, not only to me, but uh, to all your students. So uh, now, uh, finally, with that, uh, I say goodbye for one last time and uh, now you can go run like the wind.